triple play fantasies basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. We're the podcast that doesn't demand a trade request. I hear that, Fantrax. We're here to stay. I got my normal crew with me. I got Brad Lee Sellers. What's going on, my man? You're going to hate me today, man. I got takes, takes, takes. I I don't hate you. That's why we have you on here, because you give the spicy (laughs) takes. So no hate in my eyes. Shout out to Coach because he did uh, come up with Brad Sellers. But speaking of Coach, we got Christian James Lewis McCollum, a.k.a. Coach. What's going on, my man? man, I love that, Christian James. And that's what Richard Jefferson's calling him on the jump now. He is balling out of control this year. Um, But, yeah, I had to do a deep dumpster dive for you, Brad, as far as the Brad names are concerned. They are running thin. Yeah. We need more Brad in the NBA, man. It's an epidemic. Yeah, you know, you know what? You need to write to the fraternity of Brad's on Facebook or whatever social media page and make sure that they're uh, taking their talents for basketball. But we have a special guest joining us, the co-creator of the Hardcore Honeys pod- podcast, a contributor for Belly Up Sports and RaptorsRepublic.com. 2019 might have been the best year of her life. We're glad this isn't a hashtag missed opportunity as we welcome in Jade auxiliary things johnson what's going on hey i'm good thanks for having me on no problem at all so jade obviously i did a little bit of background research from that bio i could not find out why auxiliary things is your nickname so can you enlighten us as to why that's kind of what others might know you as i absolutely can so i'm a raptors fan and during the raptors title run uh fred van vliet one of the games he went off i can't remember which game it was i really wish i could it was either the conference semis or the final or the conference finals or the finals and the whistle had been garbage that game and when he had the post game interview he referred to the garbage whistle as auxiliary things to deal with so as not to get fined and as soon as I heard it, I'm like, I love it because my takes on basketball generally encompass more of business and psychology than just stats. So it, it fits me really well. Okay. I like that. A little bit of a different perspective. And now, I, you know, it kept me up yesterday. I was like, why is it, why is it auxiliary <laughs> things? Should I ask her now or should I wait until the pod tomorrow? So hopefully I can sleep a little bit easier tonight. But we have a great show planned for today. We're going to talk a little bit of fantasy players to add week five. But we have a lot of drama in the NBA, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to be chat. We are going to be chatty Cathy's and discuss mostly the Brooklyn Nets situation and the impact it has on the rest of the NBA. After that, we'll go to our question of the week: Which player do you currently dislike most in the NBA? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, I want to talk some fantasy ads for Week Five. So, which players are you looking to target on the waiver wire? This could be a hot player that's under the radar, someone that's benefiting from an injury to a teammate, or a guy that's on a team that's going to play multiple weeks next week. As of now, we don't know with all these COVID cancellations. Jade, you're the guest, so I want to start with you. Who's one or two players that you're looking to add this week that have some value? So I'm going to give one. I don't have to add him to my personal fantasy league because I drafted him. And when I was drafting, I'm playing in a league with the guys that I work with over at Belly Up Sports. 
And I got a lot of flack for all my Raptors ads, I'm not going to lie. But this guy is kind of my secret weapon that I knew most people outside of Raptors fans are going to be surprised about. And that is Chris Boucher. I just moved him from my bench to my starting lineup this week. He's averaging 15.3 points a game up from 6.6 last year. He is a blocking machine. He's averaging 2.5 blocks a game. Uh, and that's low because he's only now getting um, a lot of minutes. Uh, he, can, he can get three, five blocks a game easy. He's so good at that. He's playing really, really well. He got paid a bit in the offseason. Um, and he's done really well for me the past couple of weeks. I got, um, let me see. 27 and a half fantasy points from him in the game I picked him in this week. And it wasn't even his best game this week. He had 33 and a half fantasy points against Charlotte the other night. So I know he's not rostered a ton. He, I'm On the league that I'm in, he's being rostered up 28% this week over last week. So people are noticing, but if you need a center that can stretch the floor, he hits threes and he blocks a lot. If you're weak in that, that position, he's a good guy to pick up right now. Yeah, and talk about a bargain for his salary that it's ca- that it's counting against the Raptors cap. He's making six and a half million. That is a value in terms of real life. Brad, who's one or two guys on your radar you're looking at? Yeah, so there's one player at the top of the list for me above all else, and that's the fantasy points per minute legend in the flesh, Enos Cantor. Um, however, somebody might have already picked him up in your league. So an under the radar pick would have to be Patty Mills for me. Um, Derek White is still out, and the Spurs have relatively short rotations. So Patty is still getting about 26 minutes a game, and all he does is hoist three-pointers and dish out assists. He's great if you need a, a bolster to your three-point totals in a categories league. And when he's feeling it, he's good to get you 15 to 20 points scored. So that's a solid solid floor for anybody that you're grabbing off the waiver wire. So I like him a lot. Okay, another great pick. Coach, I know that you're a fantasy basketball stud playing in a couple leagues and currently getting whacked in our league this week. But who's a couple guys that you're looking at? Yeah, yeah, COVID hit my my team pretty hard. No, 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 no. Oh my gosh, here's here's a violin for you. I don't want to hear it. I didn't hear anything when I beat you the first week, Eric. Just saying. Um yeah, in second, you're in like last. Lonnie Walk Lonnie Walker, we talked about him last week. We all said no, and then he's coming out and he's dropping 20 and I think three consecutive games here. Um, I think we saw Precious Achoa as well as Kelly Olenek and Tyrese Maxey really benefit from these COVID protocols. I mean, I do have Jason Tatum on my team. So uh, keep that on watch, uh, That who's, who's getting held out, because it really raises the value of the players that are playing those extended minutes on teams with eight players to, to play. Uh, I'm looking at Shea Gilgis-Alexander. No. No, no his, his cousin, his cousin. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Mikkel Alexander-Walker, he had a career-high right. 37 and 8 for the Pels, and it, it appears Lonzo may have, may have a, a dinged-up knee. So uh, he lights it up, and when he plays confident, I really like his moves, and um, he can really create space. And once he, he's a streaky player, once he makes one, he sees a lot fill up. And then a consistent, like, lower-down player is uh, Jamichael Green. He's averaging 12, 7, Two and a half three pointers made on 52%. So he's kind of a, like a safer pick, but he's like playing that backup big role uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Michael Green's got 12 and seven. He averaged, well, he didn't start the season, but he came back uh, sometime two weeks ago and he's averaging 12.7 rebounds 
And he's been consistent wow. in two and a half threes a game. Yeah, but all great picks. I, I For me, I have a couple. The first is DeAndre Jordan. He's owned in 42% of ESPN leagues. I think he's somebody that you need to get immediately. With Jared Allen gone, he played a, he played a season-high 29 minutes. He was averaging about 18 minutes prior to that. And in his first game, or that game that Jared Allen was gone, he got nine points, 12 rebounds, two blocks. He's going to end four for four from the field. So he's going to provide some boost in a lot of those head-to-head categories, um, especially with Brooklyn being probably an offensive juggernaut. They're going to need someone that's going to do the dirty work, getting blocks and rebounds. So I think he's somebody that you want to look at. And the other guy I'm looking at is Shake Milton. So he played two games this past week, and he scored 24 at Brooklyn. He scored 31 versus Miami. He is owned in 36.1% of leagues. I know that Philly had a lot of players out with COVID, but I think he's proving to be a good bench option. Someone like a Lou Will that we've seen that will get 15, 16 points off the bench and maybe not provide much other value. He's averaging about four assists and one steal a game, but scoring can be hard to come by sometimes. So if he's available, I would take a look at those two people as well as all the ones that the others mentioned. I think there's some great ads for this week, but Speaking of ads, do you like when you add a player? And do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play Fantasy? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and football show that you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being loyal, which is rare today in in today's NBA, by giving us a five-star rating and review. Check us out on Twitter and IG at Trip Play Fantasy. Myself and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions. David being a thirst in our weekly episode drops. You remember when you were a kid in the candy store and you kicked and screamed and your parents caved in and got the candy? Well, that's what James Harden did. But you remember when you were the kid and you got that feeling and you felt good? That's the feeling we want to provide. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. We are going to get into this drama in the NBA right after this short break. The Brooklyn Nets situation, and boy, did we have to touch on this. The majority of the show will be talking about this topic, the kind of different dimensions of it, and the impact it's going to have on the NBA. Because probably one of the biggest stars and names to be in this last decade has been traded in James Harden. And we have a lot to unpack here. And I want to start first with the way that Harden handled being traded. This goes back to the summer where he made it known that he wanted out of Houston. His press conference in Houston, quote, I love this city. I've literally done everything I can. This situation is crazy. I don't think it can be fixed. Thanks. Well, at least he showed some manners at the end, right? (laughs) So, Jade, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts about how Harden handled this situation? Um, I can sum it up in one hyphenated word. It's man-child. I was... Uh, the whole thing just annoyed me the entire time. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of take some vindication in it because I thought that Harden was maybe not a high-character guy for a long time. But there was not really anything that I could point to to verify that. And now I have all the verification I could ever need. Um, I, it was just so unprofessional. So unprofessional. I understand that he's a perennial scoring leader. I understand 
that he puts up lots of shots. He gets a decent amount of assists. I still don't think he elevates his teammates very well. So when he says, I've done everything I can, I don't know if I believe that's true. If you're going to spend all that time working on that double step back three-pointer that is useless to anybody but James Harden, when you could be working on ways to be more involved with your team to make your teammates better, to me, he hasn't done everything he could have done. He's done everything he wanted to do. And now that his buddies have been moved out of the front office, D'Antoni's not his coach anymore, who let him do whatever he wanted. Daryl Morey, the GM, let him do whatever he wanted. The, the analogy you used of being a, a baby having a temper tantrum was perfect. Ah, thank you. So there's two points I want to touch on before I go to Coach or Brad. First, when he says, I've done everything I can, maybe he's talking about stimulating the Houston economy because we know he's no stranger to the strip clubs there. But I think that's a good point. And there was an article that Tim McMahon of ESPN wrote that Harden hasn't been told no since he's been to Houston. He's been appeased in every single way, whether it's trading for a superstar, whether it's getting the coach he wants, whether it's you know him being late for team buses or plane rides or having a different set of standards than the players who aren't as talented. So you're right. He has gotten everything that he's wanted and he's now kind of being like a pouting baby. Uh, Brad, let me let me hear your take on this. I'm ready. All right, so there's a lot to touch on there. I, I kind of want to respond to Jade, but I'll just I'll say my take first. So, okay. First of all, I love the way he handled it. Um, a lot gets made of the chaos of this year, but people rarely bring up that he's quietly been asking for a trade for the past few years. You know, the organization just always countered with a no. You know, but we're going to build the team around you, and, and we're going to build a team that contends. And they did contend, but it was largely because he's an incredible black basketball player, but his teammates didn't show up in the playoffs to compensate for the night that he didn't score 40 a night. So they just didn't win a championship, and he knew he couldn't over there. So he asked nicely, and then he asked forcefully, and then they said they're willing to be uncomfortable, and then he made it uncomfortable, and then he got what he wanted. It was just a beautiful display of leverage, and I love to see labor win over capital every time. It, it warms my heart. So it's a weird thing that happens when we vilify a guy for turning down $50 million a year because he wanted to win. Like that's what fans dream about, but they didn't get what they wanted or they didn't get, get that from him. So they weren't happy with it. So that's, that's my, you know, original take of whether or not I liked how he handled it. I think he handled it quietly first and then he made noise. And I think that's what you do. Um, in response to Jade, I think that, you know, he did kind of do everything that he can. You, one thing I, I, my favorite stat, you know, to use to, to predict who's going to have, you know, good performance is probably usage rate. And I think one thing that we don't give enough credit to, to the stats is that just because you have, you know, a stat, like just because he gets a, you know, a 30% usage rate, that's because he's as good as he is. Like D'Antoni and Maury were building teams around him because he is who he is. Like they weren't just catering to him because he's their highest paid player. He earned that. Like he turned himself into the, the third fiddle at, at OKC into a bona fide superstar, a bona fide all NBA guy. And, you know, he made he made TJ Tucker better. Like TJ Tucker was getting center, center minutes at the five because of the offense that Houston built the offense that Houston had to build around him. I don't think he wants to go out and score 40 a night. He just had to. Like, there was no other. Who are you going to lean on? Eric Gordon? Like, there was no other option 
to score to win, but for Harden to be who he's been. And I think that when he goes to the Nets, we're going to see Harden be Harden, but it's not going to be the same kind of Harden. I think great players are great because they can adapt to all situations. And I think that he's going to adapt. He's going to be, you know, maybe the, the first fiddle some nights, maybe the second fiddle some nights, maybe Kyrie gets hot and he, he takes the backseat to everybody. You know, the, the step backs that he patented are used around the entire league now. Like he's, he's an artist. Like, he's, he's one of the most influential NBA players that we have in our league today. And I think he should be celebrated for that. So I love the way he handled it. He's one of my favorite players, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. In Brad's eyes, nobody can do anything wrong. Brad, I actually think you're a little bit evil, but that's, a, that's another topic <laughs> for another day. I know Coach has a passionate rant about this. That's why I saved him for last for this first topic. Coach, the floor is yours. It's funny because you had this take and then two people go in front of you and you have so like a lot to touch on. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I agree with Brad because I would hate to agree with Brad. Um, but I am I'm a little bit more pro James Harden on this. Um, I can't defend him being unprofessional coming in out of shape, um, although he still dropped 44 and 17 in the opener. Um, partying, not following the health and safety protocols. Um, but but he made it clear he wanted to be out of Houston, right? He wanted to get out of Dodge. Even after they threw him the bank, they said 103 for another additional two years. I mean, obviously, that's the richest um, contract in NBA history. So turning down 103, that's not insignificant. Um, but he, he wanted to be traded specifically to the Nets, and he did all he could do to make that happen. He was clear uh, from the jump, and he was real. Um, I think the icing on the cake was those comments, but um, I think he knew that the trade was on the brink of happening. So what mm -hmm. Walt Cousins said, that's true. Uh, he, did, he he wasn't committing to the team. Uh, but James made his mind up clear that he was about winning now, and he wanted to sacrifice um, and buy in to be a champion. So that usage rate, and that might take a little blow, his points per game, but he really, want, he really wants to win now. He said, quote, when I was one, when I was young, I wanted to take care of my family. I've done that. I want to do something that I haven't accomplished. And when you turn down 103, that's facts. I'm happy to see an yeah. engaged James Harden playing back underneath Nash, D'Antoni, and with KD. And I, I expect him to get back to regular beard immediately. Um, She's shedding that weight, huh? Oh, he'll shed. I mean, he, he look. He's never been a uh, a physical like specimen of of body fat, and he can he can still give you forty four and seventeen at whatever weight he is right now. So like the guy just hoops. Um, he's a savant passing the basketball, and I think that his playmaking skills will be showcased um, on this team. And that um, we'll talk about what what I think that they, this team can do in a little bit. But that's my take on James Harden. Yeah, it was unprofessional, like his antics, and I could see why you could hate on him for that. It's definitely true, um, but he's, he's he wanted to turn the page, and he, he didn't want to play for Houston anymore. He made that clear. So here, here's also, my take. Here, go ahead, Brad. Thanks, V. I, I just wanted to bring up, like, stars get preferential treatment. That's just how it works, you know. Look at Kawhi. Like, the Clippers had a story break, you know, just this year from last year about how Kawhi was getting preferential treatment. He was able to, you know – go on flights, private flights, go on, uh, go back home to LA and then come to the facility and, you know, have his own chartered flights and do this and do that. And I, like 
the best players get preferential treatment because that's what they need to feel comfortable. And that's just how it is. Like, I, I don't think Harden is, you know, unprofessional for getting preferential treatment. And, and Brian, I, I was going to say, let's, let's, I just want to wrap this up and go to the next topic because we got a lot of facets to kind of talk about. I think Brad and everybody makes a good point. There's probably five to 10 players in the NBA and therefore in the entire world that can kind of pull this move because of the leverage they have. But you have to forget whether these people want to be or not, they're role models. And just like we've kind of seen Steph Curry change basketball where kids are shooting three pointers six feet beyond the line because they think, you know, threes are worth more than twos or I'm open or I want to emulate Curry. People are going to start doing that with James Harden, my brother. Uh, who coaches basketball himself said he can see that a lot of students that think that they're the best player on the team are going to start carrying this mentality of, okay, I'm the best. The team needs me. It's going to revolve around me. Hopefully that's probably what I'm going to say is the worst takeaway, but I want to talk about now the Houston side of what they're receiving because there were four teams involved, but the Rockets got some, some significant compensation. They received Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Karuks, four first-round picks, and four pick swaps. So they have a lot in the future. Jade, I want to go back to you with this. Did Houston get enough? So I thought about this both ways because picking up Depot is big. He's uh, just shy of his career high, 23 points a game right now at 20. Um, coming off of a couple of seasons where he didn't really play much due to injury. So that's really nice. As far as the picks, though, I don't know that Houston has the development system that they're necessarily going to be able to capitalize on all of those picks. If you were talking about the Spurs or the Mavs or the Raptors. Even the Heat. Even the Heat. I would be like, yeah, they cleaned up because you know those organizations have the infrastructure in place to capitalize on picks, which are literally unknowns. We don't know who's going to be in those draft classes. Maybe there's not going to be a really deep draft class like this year. There was no obvious number one, number two, number three pick in this year's draft class. So because Houston doesn't, I don't see Houston as having that um, development system in place. I don't know that they use their G League team to their best uh, benefit. Their scouting. It's hard to say. It's going to be hard to say if they got enough until those picks translate into either they trade them away to bring in other players or they make the picks and the picks work out. Oh. Um, I think in the immediate time, moving Harden and getting Depot is really nice for Houston. But I think long-term, it could turn out that those picks aren't going to be enough for what they gave up to get him moved. So before I go to you, Coach, Jade, I want to ask you, if you were Houston, would you have wanted more NBA-ready players? I mean, Depot is a, free, is a pending free agent this summer, but you have John Wall, you have DeMarcus Cousins, you have Eric Gordon, you have Christian Wood. You kind of have a team that's ready to compete now. Would you have liked to see additional NBA-ready players included in this deal and maybe less picks? I would have liked, if I'm Houston, I'm taking Ben Simmons. I'm making that trade. And I actually saw last night on, I don't know what I was watching, but basically the reason that trade didn't happen is because they didn't want to deal with Daryl Morey in Philadelphia. So the owner, Furtada, basically cut off his nose to Spike's face because Ben Simmons is an all-NBA player. 
Depot is not. Mm-hmm. I think Ben Simmons has a higher ceiling. If anybody can convince him to get over his yips and start shooting jumpers, he has a beautiful jump shot. It makes me crazy that he doesn't take it. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think the the fact that he refused to deal with Daryl Morey and and ended up with Depot instead of Ben Simmons, if I'm Houston, I, I would have gone the other way. And relationships are big in the NBA and sports in general. And I think that's something that's overlooked. We were actually going to talk on touch on this later, but since you brought up that you would have pulled that offer coach, I want to go with you and uh, I'm going to prelude with the Philly offer because they reportedly were going to give up Ben Simmons, Matisse Tybel and three first round picks, according to Kevin O'Connor of the ringer. So if you were Houston, would you have preferred the package that you got from the Nets or the package that Philly was prepared to offer relationships aside? Give me the offer from Philly. Um, They said that they wanted a young budding star along with a bunch of picks. So they were looking at like a Devin Booker and a Jason Tatum. And Ben Simmons fits that mold. I mean, he's a generational talent. I love um, what he has in store. And I think he's only, what, 24 years old. So I would have taken the Ben Simmons and three first round picks and, and I will, who can who can play some defense and maybe you can move him in the future if it doesn't work out with your team. Uh, I would have definitely took that. Did they get enough? I say no because they wanted that young star. Um, four picks and four p- pick swaps. I mean, you definitely have some tr- draft capital after, you know, losing some for tr- trying to bring in Russell. Uh, but the uh, the move uh, for Victor Oladipo, I, I think that that makes the Rockets – like just an exciting watch. Uh, it's clear that they didn't like Levert too much because an 18 mil contract, I mean, that that's pretty good for a player like Karis Levert. Um, so I, I don't know what they, what they were thinking on that. Maybe they um, think, Hey, can we, we flip Oladipo again before the trade deadline? Um, do we let him walk and open up our books? Uh, these are open. And Dante Exum is also on an expiring contract. So if they let both of those gentlemen walk, uh, they'll have what Christian Wood and, and John Wall on contract and have like 60 million to play with and maybe try to, to draw in another star. If Victor gets back to all NBA status, you know, you, you try to sign him long term. Um, but it is a gamble coming off that uh, injury. But he, he has looked good early in this season. So uh, we'll see what happens with Houston. But no, I would take Ben Simmons in that deal all day. Okay, Brad, are you going with the crowd so far and taking the Philly offer? I am. I So I agree with Jade and Coach um, almost, you know, word for word, but I have a slightly more negative take on the, the Houston deal. So as for the compensation, I thought it was terrible from the jump. Um, the Rockets made it even worse when they traded the best piece away for a rental. Garrett Levert, he's under contract and he's ascending. Aladipo wants to leave for Miami and he's coming back from an injury. Like, I don't love the four picks either because their late first round, and if Houston was able to hit on draft picks, Harden would still be there. So um, I agree with Jade in that they don't have the best development history for them to be trying to stockpile draft picks, first of all. Um, secondly, you know, I absolutely would have rather taken an offer from Philly, um, but I guess they don't like all NBA players. I don't know. I'd, I'd literally extend Ben Simmons the second he got to Houston and put an incentive for him to take more threes in his contract. Maybe it's against the CBA or something. I haven't looked it up, but him not shooting threes is it's way too fixable to, to not want an all NBA talent. Um, so I, I was kind of confused by the moves they made. The coach's point, if they wanted to ship 
Aladipo off again before the trade deadline. I think Karis LeVert would have had more value anyway because he's actually under contract. So I I don't know. It was kind of puzzling all the way around. I think what Jade said, they kind of cut off their nose to spite their face was a perfect a perfect axiom because they did not take the best deal on the table. Am I going to be Jared Allen too? They didn't get Jared Allen. That's am I going to yeah. am I going to be in the minority that says I like the deal that they got from the Nets better? So call me crazy. Call me crazy. If you're the Rockets right now, you currently have John Wall, who's in the second year of the four-year $171 million extension that he signed. Basically, they swapped that out for Westbrook, but a team isn't taking that contract to take on Wall. Simmons already did get extended. He is in the first year of his five-year $177 million extension. You signed Christian Wood, who I think is a a fantastic piece, to a three-year $41 million contract. So if you make that trade, you're basically locking that in as your core, especially with Wall and with Simmons. That is going to take up probably over 60% of your salary cap. And it's two players that both need the ball in their hands and aren't great shooters. Now, you talk about the compensation. If you're the Rockets, you're getting four first-round picks, which is an additional one, and you're getting then four rights to swap. The Nets, let's say Kyrie doesn't come back or he goes MIA – or Durant, I mean, talking about someone uh, coming off a torn Achilles, if an injury happens to anyone on that team or the chemistry doesn't work, these picks are going to be higher. And I go back to probably, what was it, eight years ago when the Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce for a similar deal for four first-round picks. You looked at the Nets roster, they had Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, KG, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry off the bench. They finished as the fifth seed that first year, and then we're out of the playoffs after that. And the Nets or the Celtics really were able to capitalize on that because all of the, those picks that they thought were going to be later ended up being earlier. And it was much quicker for them in that rebuilding process. Now, keep in mind, you have a new general manager with Houston. He has no ties to these players. He's looking to make a print long term. And I think with that perspective, this was the better offer to take. But, I hear that. I, I think... Um... I think you make a great point. I, the only problem with that is I don't know that I'd want to make the bet that a team with KD and Harden or KD and Kyrie or Harden and Kyrie, let alone all three of them together, is going to finish terribly or out of the playoffs. Like I, I just, okay. It's hard for me to imagine that even if they don't gel, that they're not going to be good. But, but think about this. You also have four first-round additional picks into what you have. You can then use that as packages to move up, like we've seen what the Thunder and Pelicans have done, where they've basically hoarded these picks and may, and may use them as assets to trade for future players or to move up if they really like a player in a future draft. The, the, the Thunder and Pelicans aren't good, though. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not... And, and, I mean, if you're the Rockets, do you think that you're going to win now with the Nets having a super team, with the Lakers and Clippers having a super team? I think you know that your time isn't here and that you're building for the future. But there's a I number. Don't, I don't okay. think the Rockets' owner is aware of that at all. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I like the move for the Rockets. I guess time will only tell if it is the right I move. Point. I, I like to take. I like to take. Yeah, you know, I, I, I got to be different. But we have I would say that it is a little bit different from that from that other Nets trade because you were trading for guys past their prime. And, yeah, on paper, I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful team. And they would have won championships. It was five years prior. I mean, you're talking prime James Harden, prime Kyrie, prime KD. 
and um, they're in that win now state. So I think that that part of it makes that trade a little bit different. Of you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't make the all-in trade. I and, and I hear that point. Before we touch on the next one, that's a big three. This was a stacked one through five. Darren Williams was still a perennial all-star. Joe Johnson, ISO Joe. Paul Pierce and KG had been to the finals two years before being on that Celtics team, and Brooke Lopez was still uh, up-and-coming center. So, you know, we'll have to see because we're assuming that everyone is going to mesh. I think when you throw Kyrie in the wrench that you can't rule out anything. And speaking of Kyrie, he has had a crazy past week. He, he was spotted um, celebrating his sister and his dad's birthday. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's just an interesting guy. Anybody that listens to Mozart pregame, you know that they're a little bit different. Not necessarily in a bad way, but Brad, I want to start with you. What do you make of this? And is getting another superstar in Harden the way to draw him back and bring his focus back to basketball? Here I go being a player apologist again. Um, the, the Kyrie situation is its most annoying to me because none of us even knows what's happening. Like, we don't know if he's depressed or if he had a death in the family or if he wanted to take a step away after seeing what happened at the Capitol or if he got spooked by COVID spikes in the NBA. It could literally be anything. And we have automatically assumed that, you know, flat earth Kyrie is just being a quirky hassle because he thinks he's smarter than everybody. Like, I think the bottom line is that every owner is driven purely by a profit motive. And if they thought the juice wasn't worth the squeeze with Kyrie, he'd be gone. Like, it's, it's as simple as that. And instead, they have to let him do whatever it is that he needs to do because when he's on the court, he's an all-NBA point guard. And if you look at his numbers, he's in the prime of his career. And if the Nets want to win a championship and the moves that they're making are showing that they do, they're going to acquiesce to whatever Kyrie is doing or going through. So. He's made himself damn near irreplaceable, and I think we we just got to respect that. Okay, and and once again, it's another star using their leverage. Coach, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? All right, let me let me first burn some sage <laughs> with Kyrie. Um, personally, Kyrie is is a spectacle of talent, and uh, my first reaction is I'm, I'm a little uneasy based on his current track record with with Cleveland and Boston. Um, and it's it's bad optics, um, the party, the Zoom call when you're 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 taking time off for personal reasons. Uh, he he's breaking the health and safety protocol protocol and getting fined that max of that fifty thousand dollars. He had to forfeit two games pay, which is almost eight hundred and seventeen thousand, which I think is uh, is a good deal for him since he missed five games. Uh, when he plays, he's good. He plays hard. He's clutch. Um, and if he's healthy, watch out. Um, and whether it's all the reasons that Brad mentioned of, of why he was out, we just don't know. But it appears that the uh, the sabbatical or whatever you want to call it is over. And um, the, the league needs to watch out for the, the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Also, I do want to say, like, he doesn't owe us an explanation. I don't know why the media keeps saying that, like, he needs to explain why he's been out. I, to Zach's point, you mentioned earlier that, like, players are role models and you know, you don't want, you know, regular everyday people to take on that that kind of uh, again, tactic. Again, but, uh, it's a weird look for him that because he's so he's been so talkative and so me like almost media friendly in his whole career. And for him to kind of say, all right, look, I'm not talking at all. It is just it's kind of like the what kind of Kyrie are you going to get today? And it just kind of. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, it, that happened as a result of like how the media has treated him. Like as soon as he became like quirky flat earther guy, he became a villain almost. And I think he reacted negatively to that with like, you know, pushing pushing the media away. Like I don't want to I don't want to talk to you guys because you're going to twist every word I say to make me a villain. You're right, and Brad, uh, that kind of was a turning point, at least what I've noticed about how he's interacted with the media or how engaging he's been. Jade, as a fan of a team that's in the same division as the Nets, what are your thoughts on the whole Kyrie situation? Uh, I have so many thoughts about Kyrie, so I'll, I'll try and keep it succinct. Um, a couple of the things that jump out at me, um, with Coach mentioning the sage burning, and Brad mentioning we don't know what's going on. Those two things kind of come together to me to be a frustration because you've had Shay on before and she is a member of the Native population. And so she explained it to me. We're big Shay Vassar fans on this show. Yeah, we talked about that. So it's frustrating that if he's if, if, if the thing is about activism in some way, he's being really inefficient in his use of his platform. If he has a legitimate gripe, about something and he's a thoughtful guy I, I imagine he he does have valid thoughts about all the things going on in the world if that's the reason you're taking a step back tell us that so that you can move your platform forward so you can move your activism forward the fact that people call it burning sage still instead of smudging which is what it's actually called is an indication to me that he's not using his platform effectively if his goal is to bring awareness to issues. If, if that's, that's your, point. if that is your plan, you need to talk specifically and clearly about what the issues are and what you're taking a stand for. Smudging is part of Native American religion. It's no different than praying before a game or making the sign of the cross. But most people mm -hmm. don't know that because Kyrie doesn't feel the need to explain it. And for me, when I talked to Shay about it, I said, as an intelligent person, because it's Kyrie doing that, I immediately have to ask, is he doing this accurately? Is this an accurate representation of Native American religion and culture? Or is it just Kyrie being Kyrie? The other thing that drives me crazy about him is like, he thinks that the media twists his word. Listen, I watch Kyrie say the words. I don't know how you are expected to interpret it any other way when he says the earth is flat, when he compares himself to Martin Luther King. Like, how oh, else am I supposed back, to- Boston, I'm coming, I'm signing the max. Right, like how, what, what needs twisting about that for it to be ridiculous? It doesn't need twisting, it's ridiculous. So I think he has a blind spot in terms of, of awareness of what am I saying? How is it going to be received? And I don't feel like he should get a pass on talking to the media. I don't like parts about my job, but they're part of my job, so I do them. And I think basketball stars are just so entitled and immature for the money that they're making. There's gonna Everybody has parts of jobs that we don't like to do. You already get paid millions of dollars to play a game. In the larger view of the world, you know, they don't, doctors and nurses and teachers and, and, and people that, that shape society really don't make nearly the same amount of money and they still do their jobs. So Jade, I want to touch on, I, you, you brought up a lot of great points right there. And one of the overarching principles, I think, that really shapes the way that we think about these players and, the, and their perception on the, on, you know, the media and, and with fans is that 
these players make X amount of money. We want them to do this. I think at the end of the day, it it doesn't really matter what they make. Uh, I I think he I think we should give Kyrie a little bit of leeway in that he's you know a 27, 28 year old guy that's just figuring out what he's about, figuring out where he fits in the world, what he believes. You know, not everybody is Maya Moore in that they're steadfast in their belief system and they're willing to quit what they do to focus 100% full-time on the task that matters to him. You know, maybe he thinks that he has more leverage as, you know, Nets basketball player instead of former Nets basketball player. Maybe, you know, he he's still trying to figure out what he even actually believes. Maybe he's you know, Coach mentioned that he, you know, he was on the Zoom a little while ago for a, a district attorney's um, a fundraiser. That's that's fine. Like he wasn't allowed to play anyway. Like it's a, he's allowed to be on Zoom. He's allowed to figure out what's going on. Sure, he is. But he signed but he a contract. He did. He a contract that he, says I'm going to be available to the media. So why should he be able to drop that part of his contract because he doesn't like it? Because they're letting him. All right, I, I, I want to let Jade answer this and I'll wrap it up and we'll go to the next topic. So like I've been 26, 27, figuring out my life, been there, done that. The, uh-huh. the, the, the employers that paid me to do a job expected me to do my job. And rightfully so. I agreed to do a certain job for a certain amount of compensation. And I was told everything that that job entailed. If I had decided I wasn't just gonna do the part of it I didn't like, I would have got fired. So I don't have that amount of sympathy for a grown ass oh. man who signed his contract that said, yes, I'm going to be available to the media. The rest of us why, have to deal with that stuff. Why hasn't Kyrie been fired? Because, because of his talent. Because of his talent. But I don't think, I don't agree that that should be an okay standard. So here, here's my thoughts and we're going to wrap it up. And, and Brad and I discussed this earlier and it's funny because we had the differing viewpoints on our Twitter account and everybody thought I was arguing with myself. I compare this very similar to the Antonio Brown situation. Obviously he did not do anything sexually assaulting wise to a female. I do not even want to float allegations or that idea out there. But I think in terms of self-destructing his career, Kyrie, I understand we want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but what he's done in the past, he probably got himself out of the worst situation that he was at the time in Cleveland, winning a championship, being viewed as a top 10 player with LeBron James, then going to Boston, kind of forcing his way there, saying he wants to retire, and then kind of going MIA. And then with this now, you know, I think at some point, like Antonio Brown wasn't worth the headache. The Steelers shipped him to the Raiders for a third and fifth round pick. He didn't even suit up a game for the Raiders. At a certain point, they said, look, enough is enough. We're cutting bait with him. We're willing to dra- to part way with the draft capital. Now, obviously, you traded for Harden because you're hoping that him, Kyrie, and Durant can make it work and that they can win a championship, at least one. But you have to think that if Kyrie becomes a distraction where he's not getting enough shots, he's disrupting the chemistry of the team, that they might just try with Kevin Durant and Harden and that... Kyrie's talent eventually is going to run run out when teams are sick of his optics that I don't think he's on good terms with the Cavaliers. I don't think he's on good terms with the Celtics. And at the end of the day, he's a narcissist, whether it's his ego that's driven him to the point with the basketball success or whether he has some sort of mental illness that he hasn't come forth with or been diagnosed with. That doesn't change the reality of the situation. 
His talent is what's gotten him so far. But the minute that he starts burning even more bridges or he shows a drop off in production, I think is when he's not going to be able to get away with this stuff. Brad, I will let you touch on this real quick because I know Kyrie is a big guy of yours. And then we're going to kind of transition to the expectations we have. No, I, I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I, I just think that there needs to be there needs to be acknowledgement that he's not doing anything that the Nets aren't allowing to happen. They're allowing him to find himself. They're allowing him to figure things out because he's made himself irreplaceable. I'm not saying that that's how it should be. I'm just saying that's how it is. And because and, that's how it is, we can't act like we don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. And you know what? The Rockets did that with Harden, and look how that situation ended. So just saying. But I now want to transfer. For the Rockets, they gave him everything that he wanted, and then the minute that he was told no, that's when things became a problem. So right. just, just right. throw that out there. But we want to talk about the overall impact of the trade. And, Coach, I want to start with you. What are their expectations for the Nets that you have this season? How far do you think they're going to go? Um, well, the three gentlemen, the three, the, big, the new big three, they're on contract for at least two years, and then they have player options after that. So I, I think they have a good chance to win it all in these next two years. Uh, I, I don't know about a percentage, maybe like a, a 20 25% that they win one. Um, but I've never seen a more talented top three as far as all around three level um, scoring offensive basketball players. Um, they all can pass well. They all can shoot inside mid range three. Um, it's going to be almost nearly impossible to guard this uh, this team. It reminds me of the first year Miami Heat, who basically had the big three and no one else, you know, like Chalmers and Joel Anthony. So it's really going to be big on those three. And we know that first year they ran into Dallas and they did lose in the, in the NBA finals, which I, I don't know. I kind of am leaning for that to maybe happen this year. Um, hopefully DeAndre Jordan can can get back to playing a little bit like he was when he, he was all-star. DeAndre Jordan, uh, Harris is going to be getting wide open jumpers like all the time. So, uh, And then their death lineup includes a, a KD Jeff Green at kind of your four and five. And so they'll be looking to make a move here. Uh, they, they definitely need some depth. They lost a bunch of players. So th there's a bunch of free agents that could contribute, um, but nobody that's going to be like in that starting rotation. But they, they, they're probably going to look at some players like Mike Beasley, Tyson and Wilson Chandler, no relation, um, Dwayne Dedman, Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, some people that can give you some good minutes off the bench. Um, but it's really going to lean on the health and ultimately the chemistry of those big three. But I think it can be done. Yeah, and talk about all those players you mentioned, but also as later in the season when the buyout market comes, you're going to see some potential bigger names. Jade, I know that we've talked on it. You're a Raptors fan, but are you a little worried that the Nets might rule the Atlantic Division for the foreseeable future? Uh, for the foreseeable future, I'm not worried about it. I think they've got two years to get a ring. And if they don't, those, those guys are going to get moved. There's, there's no reason to keep them. Like, to me, it's it's finals this year. If they don't make the finals this year, the season is not successful. They have to get out of the East. I don't think they beat the Lakers this season. Honestly, like, I mean, LeBron James is living his best life right now with AD 
I, I don't see them beating the Lakers this year. If they do, I think it's next year. But I am not sold on the idea that those three egos are going to be able to make it work. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, Jade, and, and before Brad, I get to you, you stole my thoughts exactly. I think their expectation is to make it to the finals this year. I don't. I think making a trade midseason with a rookie head coach or maybe even a co-coach, according to Kyrie, I think those expectations are just really big. I do think, though, that you need to come out of a somewhat weak Eastern Conference to kind of prove the validity of the trade and all the assets that you gave up. I say that if you don't win a championship in the next two years with having three superstars, the Lakers have two, most teams have two. I think it is a failure. Brad, what are your expectations for Brooklyn? Yeah, no, I had the Nets in the finals before this trade. And even after I had them, you know, losing to the Lakers, I think there's something to be said about the Lakers having cohesion and the Nets learning what their pecking order is going to be. And betting against LeBron isn't one of the smartest moves to do. So I agree with Jade. I think it's going to be a, a Nets-Lakers final. So we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. A rematch of 2001 with Jay Kidd and that squad versus Shaq and Kobe and that squad. 20 years later, maybe. I'd love it. Um, last little bit I want to touch on before we transition to our question of the game of the week. There were other teams involved in players. As mentioned, this was a four-team deal. The Rockets, in addition to all the picks, got Oladipo, Dante Exum. The Pacers got Karis LeVert in a second-round pick. And the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So, Coach, I'm going back to you with this. Give me a winner and loser, and it can just be the name and a little short analysis from a fantasy perspective of this trade. Um, I think both the Pacers and the Cavs made out like bandits. Uh, but uh, from a fantasy perspective, uh, I kind of mentioned him. I think Joe Harris is uh, going to be a reliable player. He should be in the top 10 of three-pointers made this year, and he's going to be getting wide open looks. So I, I know he doesn't contribute all around. But I think that he can be on the back end of your bench. Uh, I see uh, Victor Oladipo and Karis LeVert being remaining valuable, and I think James Harden owners are, are got to be the most happy because he's he's back to liking basketball, and I think that he's going to go back to producing numbers similar that that we're used to. Maybe not thirty five a game, but I see thirty a game with high assist totals. Jade, going back to you, I know you're quite a fantasy basketball player yourself. Who's someone that you think is uh, benefiting and losing from this huge deal? Um, I think fantasy-wise, Houston looks pretty good if you have either Oladipo or John Wall or Boogie Cousins on your roster. I think they're going to benefit from Harden not being there to take all the shots. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking about players involved in this trade. But you're right. I mean, someone like James Harden, that's probably passing up 30 shots a game and how it's going to be distributed among the other players on the Rockets. Brad, who are a couple people that you think win or lost from this deal? Um, yeah, no, I agree with, with Jade. I, I think that, you know, it's going to be the players in Houston that stuck around and, and are going to be able to, to benefit from having that huge usage rate player now off the team. You're going to get a bunch of, you know, extra shots and just like we're seeing with some of the COVID um, injuries out now, a lot of players are able to step up and make names for themselves going forward. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I love, you know, what Indiana did with um, their trade. Um, I think that was an excellent finesse getting Karis LeVert. And I love what the Cavs are doing. Um, they know that they aren't contending, so just stacking assets regardless of position to get the best value out of them. I think that's a, a great uh, play. 
And I'd love to see a Jared, Jared Allen and Andre Drummond Twin Towers front court, but that's probably not happening in today's NBA. They did that with uh, Boogie Cousins and AD a few years ago. I don't know if it exactly worked out for the yeah, best. It didn't really work out. For me, I already mentioned, I think the big winner is DeAndre Jordan. He's going to see a lot of uptick in minutes. Probably won't get you the points, but the other counting stacks, blocks, rebounds, field goal percentage. Um, and I think the losers, and Brad, I hate to disagree with you. I think any Cleveland big man, it's they have a, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, I think is the expression. You have Jared Allen, you had Andre Drummond, who just put on a 33-point, 23-rebound performance, certainly showing yeah. his value. You have JaVale McGee, you have Larry Nance, you have Kevin Love when he comes back from his strained right calf. I mean, he's making close to 30 mil a year. So I think until somebody gets traded, there's just going to be a log jam at that position, and it's going to decrease all of their fantasy value unless Cleveland kind of figures out a way to make it work with you know running a bigger lineup. But great discussion. I want to transition to our next segment, and that is Question of the Week, sponsored by none other than Shady Rays. So when your future is as bright as Jade's, you're going to need some protective eyewear. And Shady, Wade, Shady Race has got you covered because no matter what you do, whether you lose them, you scratch them, you ding them, you hit them with a baseball bat, you're reckless, you sit on them, they're going to get you covered because they're going to replace those bad boys. You like donating and feeling good about yourself and maybe you're a little strapped for cash and after getting a pair of Shady Rays, you can't donate more? Well, they got you covered because they're going to donate 10 meals to Feeding America for each pair bought. They've done over 13 million to this date. I've been reading this ad for about a month. It's probably closer to 15 million. And the best part, you think you're going to pay full price for these bad boys. But when you use the code triple play, you're actually going to save 25%. And that includes everything to in, in the besides the RX series. So go over to shadyrays.com, look at a pair of sunglasses you like, think that you're going to pay full price. Type in code triple play and be wowed at the savings that you're going to have. Our question of this week is, which player do you dislike most in the NBA? I'm in sales. There is power in words. I do not like using the word hate. So I think dislike is a better way to phrase it. Jade, you are the guest. I want to start with you. So this is hard for me because it was KD right up until Harden started with his antics. So right now it's Harden. Okay. <laughs> I, I shortened to the point. I don't think we need to explain more why you went on that rant and i i can james harden probably is the most hated person in houston outside the strip clubs right now coach who's somebody that grinds your gears usually you're a fan of everyone all right uh yeah i i don't like the word hate i don't hate anybody in life i always try to show respect and and find the positives out of people but again coach i, I mean coach again doc you're gonna have to indulge me to all my Godfather fans, I hope you like this comparison. Mine is oh. Pauly, Fredo, George. Paul George is the Fredo of the Corleones. He's cool. He's fun. He's laid back. He's got chill personality. He's funny. He's a good time. But he can't be trusted. Paul George coming, start, coming out the gate for his Pacers, battling LeBron year by year. Um, he's two-way elite star. He's coming for the throne. There's a lot to like in this kid. But that changed when the chemistry fell off the cliff when rumors of PG sleeping with Roy Hibbert's girlfriend at the time. He would then bash the Pacers organization, most recently on the All the Smoke podcast interview, claiming they weren't championship driven. He would then go to OC, 
sign a long-term contract, say an unfinished business with Russ, and then the next year he's questioning the coaching again and got a deal done with Kawhi in L.A. He blames Doc Rivers for not making adjustments again, going against the family. He shot under 30% and had only 10 points in that game seven, giving up a 3-1 lead. I don't trust him. So I'm going to end it with a Michael Corleone kiss on the cheek goodbye. Paul, it was a nice run. I like your game, but I do not like you anymore. I can't trust you. Coach, that might have been the best two minutes you've ever had on any segment that we've had. I'm, I, I'm, I've watched The Godfather recently. It's a great movie, great reference. I'm only disappointed. I'm only disappointed that you didn't talk in, in a voice or an accent. That's just what I wanted. Can I get it before I transition to Brad? Just let me get a little bit. Forget about it. We need we need little cheesecake for the uh, for the impersonations. Uh, yeah, that's true. He does them for his kids. Brad, you have you have dinged so many people. Your baby boys. You're at the defense of everyone. You're an optimist. You're trying to find the best in people. But who's that one guy that you just can't get any good out of? Well, I wouldn't say I can't get any good out of. I I, I don't hate him. I just dislike him a little bit. And that's Grayson Allen. He's a little too dirty for my taste. He's always tripping people or hitting people or doing something that, you know, it doesn't really fit in today's game anymore. We don't need any Bruce Bowen putting your leg under somebody while they're shooting. We don't need that anymore. So I'd say Grayson Allen is probably on my most disliked list, even though he's got a great jumper. Yeah, and you know what? He's probably disliked by Maryland fans. He's disliked by UNC fans. He's disliked by anybody he's tripped. So that's not an unpopular answer, even though he's not a big-name NBA player. And for me, it's Patrick Beverly. I respect his game. He plays a lot of great D. He's tenacious. He does the small things that don't appear in the stat sheet. He rebounds well for a guard. But I go back to the 2013 playoffs when Russell Westbrook is bringing the ball up. And you can tell that Oklahoma City is getting ready to call a timeout. And full force, he runs into Russell's left quad, partially tearing that, you know, taking him out the rest of the playoffs. You think about Westbrook now. He's out because of that left quad. That's a major injury where I think we're just like, okay, that happened years ago. But for the majority of us, that would probably inhibit the rest of our lives. And you're not only talking about the basketball perspective, but the pain that he has to go through, the surgery, the inconvenience. I think there's an unwritten rule in basketball that you know when a team is getting ready to call a timeout. People are in an empty set. They're not moving much without the ball. And maybe it's a momentum thing. I think Patrick Beverly knew that. I think he tried to get a cheap steal. But I don't. I think that's an unwritten rule that you do. I think it's dirty, and I really dislike that. On a side note to that that situation, uh, Russell Westbrook had never missed a game, like not in high school, not in college, he not in NBA before that point. And 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 that and and to be honest, that could have been the thing that kind of made these injuries accumulate. I'm not putting that speculation on Beverly, but I think that that was a really dirty play. And if that was me personally, I would be so PO'd, but fortunately it wasn't. But great discussion of people that we don't like. Hopefully they do things to get on our good side. Maybe donate some money to our GoFundMes or Venmo. But we're going to transition to our game of the week. And I am hosting it. And we played a game similar. But we did it with jersey numbers, and I gave you a certain player and how many jersey numbers they've had in the career, and you had the amount of guesses for the amount of jersey numbers. But now we're going to do that for players who have played on various teams. 
So I have five players, and I'm going to tell you the amount of teams they've played on. You get as many guesses as the teams that they've been on. So we'll get we'll calculate however many points for each round. I have five rounds here, and then I have a six for bonus. We're going to start with Coach, then Brad, then Jade, and then Rotate. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, and I will give you the answer at the end. Coach, we are starting with you. Your guy is Tobias Harris, and he has played on five teams. Name the ones he's played on. All right, Tobias Harris. Trying to think about the timeline. What do I go with? Uh, Let's go um, the Sixers, the Clippers. Man, you got a five-team guy. That's wild. Uh, The Clippers, the – Tobias Harris, Orlando Magic, and yeah, two more guesses. The the Hawks and the Pistons. Okay, those are your five. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Sixers, Clippers, Mavericks, Pistons, and um. I don't know. Uh, Hawks. Okay. And Jade. Yeah, I'm also going to go Sixers, Clippers, Pistons, um, Hawks. Uh, and I'm just going to throw in the Cavs because I have no idea. <laughs> Why do you guys think he played for the Hawks? He did not play for them at all. The five teams he played for were the Magic, Pistons, 76ers, Clippers, and a short stint with the Bucks. So after one round, Coach, Coach has four, and, Bra- and Brad and Jay both have three. Brad, we're starting with you for number two. Lou Williams, and he's played for six teams. Name them. Man, you're really going high with the number here. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, just wait. Just wait till one of the future ones, baby. It's a high-scoring game. It's going to be a shootout. (laughs) I'm going to go Sixers, Clippers, um, I don't know, Sixers, Clippers. Who will? I can only think of those from. You taking an L after two? Yeah, I'll take that L. Okay. Jay, we're going to you. Okay, so Raptors, Clippers, Sixers. Um, dang, I can't. I didn't even remember he played for this many teams. Right? Are you taking, are you taking an L after three? Uh, I'm gonna take three because I know I got one that Brad didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to Coach. Coach, you gonna guess more than three? Just the first three that I, that came to mind. Well, at first thought the Raptors. Of course, he got drafted by the Sixers, and then obviously had quite a long stint <laughs> for the Clippers. Um, but just to give me a chance here, let's just go uh, Pacers, Magic, and uh, Bucks. All right, well, Jaden Coach each got three. Brad's got two. He's played for the 76ers, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Hawks. Lakers. He did play for the Hawks. The Raptors and the Rockets. Remember short stint with the Rockets where they got him in uh, – I forgot what deal it was, but it was a really good value. So next, we're starting with Jade. We have 
Rashid Wallace. Oh, dang. And he's played for six teams. So Pistons. Okay. Um, Knicks. Has he played in the West? I'm going to say Cavs. And... Dallas, Mavs. That's all I got. I have no idea. <laughs> all right, Coach. Coach, we're going to you. All right, I'm going to go um, the Blazers, Pistons, Hawks, uh, Knicks, Mavs, Suns. I'm going to go Pistons, Blazers, Hawks. Knicks, I don't know, Grizzlies, and uh, <laughs> I'm just naming teams at this point. Um, Bobcat. <laughs> I'll think about that one, actually. Coach and Brad each got four. Jade got two. You guys did remember that one game he played with the Hawks. Nice. I'm a little I disappointed. Y'all didn't mention he played for the Wizards and Bullets. So he played, oh, wow. he played for the Blazers, Pistons, Celtics, Wizards, Knicks, and Hawks. So after three, Coach has 11, Brad's got nine, and Jade has got eight. We got two left. The next one, Derek Fisher. Coach, we're going back to you to start. And he's played for five teams. Today, <laughs> all right. Well, you get—he's got five teams. It's like yeah, you have the you have the thing. Like, you all right. Listen, all man, right. you just got to pick the L if you can't think of them. All right, give me the give me the Lakers. Um, give me give me the Hawks, the Jazz, um, and then D Fish has also played. Give me the Mavs. You got one more guess. And the Lakers G League team. No, um, <laughs> give me the Blazers. All right, Brad. I'm going to go Lakers, Spurs, Hawks, Pistons, Suns. Okay, and Jade. All right, I'm lucky on this one because I have an ex who was a big Fisher fan. So I'm going to take the Lakers, the Mavs, the Warriors, um, the Hawks, and the Thunder. All right. Well, Jade hit on four out of the five, giving her the lead in that category. It was the Lakers, Warriors, Thunder, Jazz. Remember when he hit that shot uh, right after visiting his daughter in the hospital? And then the Mavs. So this brings Jade back into the game a little bit. Uh, the last one we are going to finish with, and then if we have a tie, I have a great tiebreaker. It is my doppelganger, Mike Bibby. He played for six. He played for six teams. Brad, we are starting with you. You better get all these right, or I'm going to be disappointed. I'm not going to. Uh, Kings. All right. Grizzlies. 
Kings, Grizzlies, Lakers, um, I don't know, Bobcats, Mavs. You you think everybody plays for the Mavs? Um, yeah, I just my, <laughs> my safety my safety net right there. All right, Jade, what about you? I'm gonna take the Spurs, the Grizz, um, Washington. I don't know if it was the Bullets or the Wizards. How many teams? Six, and you've guessed three so far. Okay. Um, the Hawks and the you got Pistons. two more guesses. Oh, you got one more after the Pistons. One after the Pistons. Um, Spurs. The Blazers. Okay, and then Coach. All right, I know he played for the Heat, um, the Kings, the Hawks, and the Grizzlies. And I think he played for the Knicks. And I have no idea the sixth team, and I'm also not sh- sure on New York. Uh, Mike Bibby, who does he look like he would play in? It, it, had, to be, it had to be a cool uniform. Let's go with the Nuggets. All right, well, Coach, I was going to say that you don't even need to name the last one that you won. Uh, he played for the Grizzlies, the Hawks, Knicks, Kings, Heat, and two games with the Wizards. Coach wins with an outstanding score of 19. Little round of applause for you. I don't have the soundtrack like Dave does. Coach, 15 <laughs> seconds of FaceTime. Is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote or just talk about? Um, I went, The last time I won, I thought, like, I should just, anytime I win, I should talk about Kobe a little bit. Another, another memory here, another memory there. Uh, but it, Kobe's performance against the Blazers, his coming out party um, in game seven, and really the ball was in his hands. Um, that was electric. And I, I was watching that, uh, talking with, with not not Vlade, but Pollard this week. It made me think about number eight, Kobe, and uh, that Mamba mentality that he carries with. So I, I just want to honor honor Kobe anytime I get uh, one of these wins. And um, good luck to all your playoff teams with it, when it comes to football. And uh, I think we're all ready for this uh, this next ride in this journey. Yeah, and, and crazy. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Kobe's and the rest of the uh, passengers, their tragic uh, passing. It seems like it's been much longer than a year, kind of just put into perspective of how crazy things have been overall in the world the last year. Jade, I'd really like for you. I'd really like to thank you for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug to our audience? Things that you might be working on, or where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my personal uh, Twitter is at auxiliary things. My podcast, Hardcore Honeys, airs every Monday at one p.m. And then we have our live stream, Hardcore Honeys presents hashtag NBA Twitter every Thursday at seven p.m. That is on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at eight at HC Honeys. I'm also a regular on the Raptors Queens podcast, the first podcast covering the Toronto Raptors. That is all women. Uh, we do weekly during the season. That's at Raptor Queens. And then check out Belly Up Sports. I am the director of personnel, editor in chief, bunch of hats over there. We're always looking for new writers, content creators, all of that good stuff. 
Yeah, and, and Belly Up is doing great things. We've been fortunate to have some great guests, Shannon Walsh and Shay Vassar themselves. And Jade uh, was recommended by those two as the next one that we need to have come on. Uh, definitely check out her stuff. She is very plugged into the community, always pumping out content. Jade, thank you so much for coming on. We will be talking yeah. some fantasy stuff next week. And believe me, there is never short of drama in the NBA. So between now and then, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. Wear a mask. Enjoy this time with your family. And we will talk to you next week.